So uh, he mentioned this National Day of Prayer, May 5th, 2022. I was talking with some of the other pastors in our area, and, um, and one in particular who has a habit of hosting these things. And um, so we've done this in every kind of way, but I just really felt like we needed to participate this year. And um, so by we, anybody who would like to come, all you're going to do is show up on May 5th and have a in your... And it's May 5th at 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock. That's all it's going to be, one hour, and we're just going to do some real humble prayer. We're not going to have a band or worship much or anything. We're just going to pray there, just humble ourselves before the Lord, and we're going to do it with other churches in our area. So we've done this before, and um, I think it's about time after COVID for us to begin to do this again with other churches involved, especially. We had had some amazing, unusual things happen through the years through that, and one of the most amazing was we were, last time we were, in such need was, uh, as we are right now, obviously, with all the political situation and all the other COVID things and all that, was when we were having a drought in Southern California. And uh, But I became a believer in corporate prayer, especially between uh, churches on that uh, at that time, because they had a l- bunch of us pastors lined up along a big stage, and we'd done some worship and everything. And it was just an amazing thing. We'd been praying for rain for so long. And uh, so... As we were coming to the meeting, the clouds began to cloud up over the, and it hadn't rained in months, clouded up over the sky, right? And we're looking and I'm going, whoa. And I'm the guy that they chose to pray for the rain. So I could feel it coming. So I said, Lord, if you don't mind, if you could hold off the rain until we're done, I would really appreciate it. We thank you for bringing it. I mean, this is months without rain, right? I mean, a long time. You remember that uh, time we had, remember? And, uh, and so I did that. And... And I'll be darned, we broke, and as soon as we broke, and they were putting the equipment into the things, it began to rain. It started to come down. I mean, Lord waited, because it was so thick, you could feel it coming, right? But it just held up until the very moment we got all the equipment away, and then came the rain. And uh, that's when I became a believer in church-wide prayer. So I believe, as I'm going to say, mention today, that this is a special time for us to be praying. And I hope you'll believe me after I'm done with what I have to say today, if you don't already. And uh, it's a time to pray individually. It's a time to learn to pray uh, corporately. And probably also, I would say, along with it, find the rest of the body of Christ uh, who thinks like we do and is praying like we do for our nation and for um, everything that's surrounding us. I just think it's a time where, you know, uh, misery loves company. Well, I think I've, uh, as I've been interfacing with other churches, other church leaders, a lot of us are really, really uh, uh, super alarmed about what's going on. And um, and uh, so I, I'm going to share some of that today. But before, as I do this, I want to just uh, talk about the house of God and the gate of heaven. And um, so that's what we are. We're the house of God and we're also the gate of heaven. And um, and so I want to look at, uh, from uh, Genesis chapter 28, the story of Jacob and uh, our forerunner. You know, he eventually became Israel, named Israel. And obviously through Israel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Israel, uh, the promises of God began to unfold and the very plan of God began to fold, unfold through uh, humanity. And God chose Israel, um, this man's, who was Jacob was named, renamed Israel. And uh, through that line, he began to unfold his plan for the whole earth. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. 
Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with his top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. That would include all of us who are not Jewish, right? I am with you. And will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the, place, the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. I like that. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head, and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz, and I believe Bethel means house of God. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Isn't that interesting? He saw the worship of God as complete. And when he got a hold of his finances, it was really getting serious, right? <laughs> right? And so when I returned, then the Lord, he's choosing at that moment that the Lord would be his God. Interesting. So he mentions this terminology, you know, here, uh, Bethel, right? He calls it. It's the house of God. It's the gate of heaven, really, for as, as he saw it in that, that physical space. So individually and corporately, we are the house of God. So the Bible says, we are the house of God. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. And Jacob said, Jesus was God's house on the earth. Jacob's dream fulfilled. So when Jesus came, he literally became the house of God on earth, the manifestation of God on earth, which was about to be broadened as a family, right? John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling, His home among us. We have seen His glory and the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus was an expression. It was Jacob's dream fulfilled in a person, Jesus Christ, right? And if we look at verses uh, 48 to 51... How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So you see how this begins to be fulfilled in the person of Jesus. Jacob has this experience. Jesus comes and literally the angels are a sin. He's saying, I, I'm the one that Jacob saw. I'm this house of God. God embodied in me at this present time. But then he dies, resurrects from the dead. Corporately as the church, we are the house of God. We become the house of God, the dwelling place of God. That's very, very significant. 
we're not just a meeting. We're not just like people that gather together and, and, and just hear some good philosophical advice or maybe hear some good music. When we gather, we are the uh, house of God. God lives in us through the Holy Spirit. God visits us. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. There it is again. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets which Christ, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. In him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So we're not just a destination, we're just not just an organization. But when we come together, God lives in us corporately and individually. He dwells in us with his spirit. Isn't that amazing? So that's why it's so important that we capture that in our services, that when we worship, we're looking to hear God's voice. We're looking for him to move. That's why sometimes we'll do spontaneous things in our church meeting, you know, various things, words of knowledge or pray for each other or, or just move in a, according to the moving of the spirit. I was so funny because we were... At Easter, and I don't know if, how many were here, but I saw a girl in the back row, and I, I remembered that she'd had this unusual experience. So I just said, "Ha, huh, Michelle," right? And she said, uh, "She said, she said, yeah, yeah." And, and then I said, and it was a resurrection story. She had actually prayed for this kid who had been trapped under the car, was dead and still. And more than that, she had actually, she told this testimony. She was. She was actually standing outside the thing. She had been led there by the Lord. Turn left, turn right, turn left. She's wondering why she's standing there. And the mother of the poor kid that's under the car starts screaming and yelling because she had that mother had dreamed about Michelle the night before. She had seen her in a dream. And there Michelle's standing there. So Michelle sort of takes that as her cue, goes over there, asks the fireman if she can pray for this kid because nobody knew what to do. He was still laying under the thing. They didn't know what to do. So she laid her hands on him, and the, and the kid began to shake and cry. And then they pulled him out, and he was completely healthy. Nothing happened, right? So I'm telling you that story not only because it's a cool story, <laughs> right, of the sense of God on us individually, but also um, it's, it's so important for us. So in the middle of that service, God interrupted us, right? I looked at her and said, and I couldn't remember the detail of the thing. I just know she'd had a cool story. And I wasn't intending for her to come up. But then she goes, she's mouthing to me, do you want me to come to that bride? And I, go, and I thought, oh, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm not going to ask her. I'm going to embarrass her, you know. Yeah, sure, come, 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 right? And she told that story. Like, what a great setup. The, I'm just saying that the house of God's alive. If you just pay attention, you never know what's going to happen. And, again, and that's the way it should be in a gathering. And even if it's only two or three, Right? Individually, the people of God are temples that carry God's presence. Again, we see that in... And, and these, these words, are, I mean, I take literally, if that's true, then when we gather together, like whether we're on a Zoom call or whether we're gathered together, here anything can happen. And that just makes everything pretty exciting, especially if you let it happen. But, you know, letting the Holy Spirit do stuff sometimes a little threatening, you know. You never know what He's going to do and how radical it will be, Right? And how somebody's not going to understand. But if it's the Holy Spirit, who cares, right? You'll, you'll, you'll pick it up later. Don't worry about it. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Now, that can either just be, I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. Or it's real. The Spirit of God's living in me. I'm dangerous. You never know what I'm going to do. All right? 
Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with, at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. But, so even our bodies, corporately, the body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. But individually, we find out that we are temples. We carry the presence of God. The miracle of conversion is that God came inside of us. We are born again, and he lives on the inside of us. So we are armed and dangerous, and we are armed and full of love and authority. The bottom line is there's an open heaven over every believer. There will be a time in history when everyone, every part of the church becomes aware of who they are. When they become who they're aware they really are all over the earth, there's going to be this amazing move of God. Some say the greatest revival of all time is dead ahead. And it will sweep the earth. And that time is on us. It's coming soon. And it's already upon certain areas of the world already as we speak. When we arrive, the house of God shows up. Like Jacob and Jesus, we are connected to angels, interestingly, who are busy ascending and descending, carrying out their assignments to us and through us on the earth. Hebrews 1.14. I love that scripture. This little passage here. Are not all angels ministering spirits to serve those who inherit salvation? So we too are this temple, this house of God. We too are the gate of heaven and angels literally minister to us and through us in the community around us and to us, right? So it's amazing how this story of Jacob works its way down and was fulfilled ultimately in us. And of course, through Jesus. This understanding accounts for the amazing comments Jesus made about his people in the scriptures. And uh, I didn't say him, he said it. As you go, he said to his disciples, and by extension us, Matthew 10, 7, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Then he says, okay, that's good. Near is not like hanging around. Near is pressing on you. The kingdom of God's pushing on you. Near is, it's one thing to be, I'm near you. It's another thing for you to be praying for me. Near, right? Right? The kingdom of God is pushing on you, has come near. That's what the sense of near is in the, in the Greek. Verse 8. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. So as the temple of God, you have freely received. What have you received? All this ammunition, all this spiritual and physical health going through you to somebody else. So freely you have received, freely give. One reason why you might not give is you don't think you've received. <coughs> but I assure you, you have. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey, no extra shirt or sandals or staff for the worker is worth his keep. Why would we not do that? Because he's saying, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to take care of you. Right? I'm not only going to go through you, I'm going to provide for you. And so his workers don't need anything. They just need to go, right? And God will provide. Matthew 21, 21. Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not now, do not doubt... Not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. This is what Jesus says to us. 
If you believe, you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Can you imagine if the body of Christ actually believed that? I don't think there would be very much fretting. I don't think we'd worry about a whole lot, would we? Right? Wow. That's what he says. That's us, the house of God. And it turns out we're also the gate of heaven because we're asking and God's doing things, right? We're, we're in the middle of the redemption of the world. We're not just a side player. We were handed the torch, so to speak. We were handled, handled the anointing. And that's why it's so important that we take care of it, right? We watch over it. John 14, 12 to 14. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Are you kidding me? Well, no, I'm not kidding you. But by the way, they will even do greater works than these. <laughs> greater works than these. Because I am going to the Father. So in other words, the kingdom is supposed to magnify Father, Son, disciple. It's supposed to get stronger and stronger. And I also have a feeling that it's supposed to magnify through the generations as well. As we get closer to the end. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. So is anybody asking in Jesus' name? So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. How about ending COVID? How about that? So I didn't wring my hand much, and I'm saying past tense. I realize there's still problems about COVID because I believe firmly that we're on our way out. We were on our way out the very first day it came. Amen. just took a little while to manifest, and I think it'll still manifest. I don't mean to be not careful and not sensible, but in a way I do, because you have to be a little uh, beyond sensible to believe these passages of Scripture and, and walk in them, right? According to your faith, be it to you, but this is the inheritance. We are the house of God, meaning the place where God lives. And we're the gate of heaven, where where gates speaks of authority. We are the gate. We are the gateway. We, you know, whoever controlled the gate of a city controlled everything, right? Because it was the entrance and the exit to the city. So much of commerce were done. Contracts were signed there. So gate has always symbolized authority. So we're the house of God and the gate of heaven. The church is now the gate of heaven for the world to know God. Genesis uh, chapter 28. Verse 17. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. But it was all being foretold through the years that the church, first Israel, then Jesus, of course, then the disciples, and all the way down. In the New Testament, heaven comes to earth through God's people. Notice Peter and the church received power to bind and loose. That's us too, not just Peter and those special disciples. But look what he says. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, this rock, this understanding, not only him, but and what he would do in the ministry, but on this rock of revelation that, that I am Jesus, I am the Son of God. I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. No wonder you can't control us. No wonder if it seems like the church is a little bit rebellious. We're just doing what we're supposed to do. We've been given the keys. I'm sorry, NBC, CNN, 
Fox, whoever you are, whatever proclamation, politician, uh, whatever I bind in heaven will be bound. Whatever I loose on earth, I'll be loosed. I'm sorry if I believe that. I'm sorry if I'm not as afraid as everybody else because actually I got something in my pocket you don't know about. It's called the kingdom of God. And by the way, I live in the house of God and I live right at the gate of heaven. You should probably ask me for some advice. I got God's ear. True. Demonic principalities set up counterfeit revelations and mindsets of God, against God. So they try to mimic, right, and get way more authority. That's what our government's trying to do right now. They take way more authority, try to get it, right? They always do that. Demons always do that. When demons get a hold of your government or a mayor or a leader or a pastor or anybody else, bad news, right? Because they're trying to displace something. Peter even strayed into some thinking that he shouldn't have, right? And it's interesting. Matthew 16, 21. From that time on, Jesus began, this is verse 21, began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on, that, on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and said, you know, never, Lord, this will never happen to you. And then Jesus turns and says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Oh, my gosh. So if Peter can be that confused, that gives us a little room for ourselves, right? You're a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Merely human concerns. He didn't have in mind. He thought he had in mind the concerns of God, but evidently he didn't, right? So he got a little counterfeit there. He strayed into human thinking. So that's something we got to be careful about. The world around us is so full of all kinds of philosophies and things. A part of it is the increase in media. It just made it, we can hear everybody's philosophy from anywhere in the world, from Japan, from the USSR, from Africa, on a little blurb, get a little shot of their philosophy. I mean, it's like philosophies of life and thinking and revelations and mindsets against God, especially, are just floating everywhere. They're surrounded. You don't have to go anywhere. I used to work hard, have to work hard for it. But now it's just like, turn your phone on, boom, little bloop, something goes by there, oh, let's see what that is, you know. You know, it's usually something negative, you know, or something that, how do you know that bad news makes news, right? <laughs> so it's usually something, you you know, if, you know, all the children in the nursery today raised their hand in Sunday school and got saved. Wasn't it amazing? Ten kids just, re- nobody's going to get that kind of news, right? Or, or the church down the, you know. Did this or that. What, what, what kind of news are we going to get? Well, there was this bloodthirsty murderer prowling in the neighborhood near you. You know, be careful. Alerts are all up, you know. He killed three people, you know, and goes all the detail. That's what we get across our phone day and night, right? So we got to be careful with our own thinking, right? As gateway people, we release God's authority on the earth. Very past, continue. I mean, amazing passage of Scripture. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Really? Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Wow. How many know that there are people who are trying to bind on earth and loose things the wrong direction? Not toward God, right? Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. How about a husband and wife agreeing about something? But just two or three it takes. For two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. I've found my history of pastoring and in my own life one of the most difficult things 
in family life is for a father and a mother, a husband and a wife, or even two believers to pray together on any kind of consistent basis. You would think, with regard to what we get out of it, the loot, so to speak, the treasure we get out of praying, you would think that people be praying all over the place. Why don't they? Because they don't believe, number one. And number two, the enemy tries to do everything he can to foil that. Oh, man. Just try to pray with your wife consistently as a husband and wife, right? Just see what interference you get. No like that. Don't like praying convocations. Don't like groups of people praying. Satan hates it. It's one of the hardest things we have compared to what we get out of it. It's remarkable that we're like this. You would think that if we read this scripture, we'd all be taking God up on a night and day. You would think we'd have night and day prayer. You would think that we'd be doing this all the time. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth, whatever you bind in heaven will be loose on earth. Whatever you bind in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. So just even the there I am with them would be worth it, right? How is it that we have a hard time assembling, much less agreeing in anything specifically for prayer? Two minutes and blow off the bound, you know, off the end of our lips. That's it, you know. What is that? Well, we're just like dumb sheep. That's one part of it. <laughs> the other part of it was don't truly believe what God says about us as a gateway people. We are the house of God. Two or three gather together. There I am, and we are the gate of heaven. We are the authority of heaven. We bind and loose in the earth. If we don't do that, then hell gets to do what it wants. So. It's interesting. I think that we become essential business at that point, don't we? Why would you close the church's doors at the very moment that you need them the most? Because you don't believe that the church has anything to do with this COVID thing or anything else. Why would you do that? And why would the church allow themselves to be closed, knowing they have the solution? That's almost a crime against humanity. It's all faith, but faith moves mountains, including COVID viruses. So we got tested severely. All kinds of philosophies about whether we should come together or not, blah, 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 blah. And I think the spacing, that was good. I think it's important to be mindful that there is a lion <laughs> around. But still, even if like I'm between me and the back of the room, I could still gather together, couldn't I? We could even be creative like that. Have three of us gathered, two or three, one in that corner, one in that corner, one over this place. It still accomplish something, wouldn't it? No, we have to have a really special, just the music has to be just right. And I'm not the official prayer anyway. That's the pastor and that's the intercessor. I don't do that. I just serve. See where we went? Mentally and emotionally. Where, where are we going? We're, we're off our moorings. We're off the truth of who we really are. The gates of hell are empowered to do whatever they choose when we do not speak the truth and pray to demolish arguments and pretensions raised up against the knowledge of God. Let's read that from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The world doesn't expect the church to wage war at all. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 
Now, the enemy knows full well the power of our thoughts and processes. So this is the great debate in our culture right now, access to media. The enemy has done everything he could to get a hold of media. Right? Why? Because whoever controls the media controls the narrative, right? And they're taking thoughts captive, all right, but taking their bad thoughts and inserting it into the political stream, right, to mobilize and to motivate and to eliminate even enemies. So we pray to demolish arguments and pretensions raised up against the knowledge of God. So our prayers make a difference in the narrative. Not only do we need to do practical things to control the truth, but I wish that we were nearly as concerned about controlling that narrative, Fox News, whatever news outlet you like, that it gets a voice. How about our own voice to God? Wouldn't that be something if we were zealous for that? We have the authority to do this. So we're going to have a national day of prayer, right? And so I decided on that day from 6 to 7, it's just going to be uh, in Mission Viejo, that I liked, I was going to do something in here, but I like the idea of other churches doing this. And I have some friends in the area that like to pray, pastors that have this revelation of prayer, and I just kind of felt like the Lord chastised me a little bit. I mean, that's a strong word, but I just felt like I have not going been uh, praying with them like I used to. Because uh, I don't know why, maybe the COVID thing kind of gets you off, got me off kilter a little bit. But I need to go back. And uh, so we have a prayer meeting with some pastors in the area, and I'm going to spend a lot more time there. Demolish arguments and pretensions raised up against the knowledge of God. So how many know that uh, that's what we do? We have this power, but if we don't use it, how many know that pretensions, things raised up against the knowledge of God and evil just begins to spread? Don't misunderstand me. It's not just prayer that we resist. We also resist at the ballot box. We resist in the ways that we respond. And I've been pretty excited about seeing how even the body of Christ responded to some of these things. And it's all over the Internet, which is good. And uh, people rebelling and how they stood up to this authority in that place. I think it's really cool that they're doing that. But almost nothing on the Internet about praying and interceding and being all excited about that, right? even make heroes on the videos of people that resisted. You know, I was going to take my business. I said, no way. I'm staying open no matter what. You know, I saw one of those today. And I was out there with him. I think, good job, man. And he made it all the way through. They let him do it, right? So, like, that's, a, that's our hero. But that's only limited. That only is a little business somewhere. And that's the spirit of what we're talking about. The real spirit is when we gather together and we agree in prayer and we say no to powers and principalities. If you don't think that's happening right now, then we're really blind. I like this Jack Hibbs guy, Calvary Chapel guy. It's not enough that pro-abortion activists want to kill pre-born babies. Now they're coming after newborns. And if you think it will stop there, you don't know how decay works. Dead things continue to decompose, and it doesn't stop until there's nothing left. He's talking about the golden state becoming the gangrene state. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I really watch I've watched him and a few others in Calvary Chapel I really like those guys I really do under this proposed new legislation mothers would not be held criminally responsible for actively or ne- neglectfully killing their hours old to week old to weeks old infants and depending on how a court defines the word perinatal that time could be expanded up to a year or more I think he's exaggerating a bit 
perinatal is the time where you actually get pregnant to the time uh, to, I think it's defined officially by our own government as like eight weeks or something like that after birth. But it could be manipulated and controlled because these guys are manipulating everything, right? So it could be even longer. It could be months and months. It could be a year maybe. But this bill would also protect anyone who aids or assists the mother in exercising her right to kill and furthermore allows her to sue any law enforcement department which arrests or charges her for hurting or killing the baby. So these sort of things are coming from our own health departments and our governing bodies, especially our state governing body. The thinking behind the bill is that if a woman tries to have an abortion, but the abortion gets botched and the child survives, the woman should have the ability to carry through with ending the child's life without repercussions. The wording of the bill, however, essentially opens a floodgate for murdering babies for any reason and under any circumstances. We're talking about the legalization of infanticide. And the California Assembly Judiciary Committee moved the bill forward. As Californians seeks to new depths at record speed, it's tempting for us Californians to throw up our hands and say it's too far gone. The desire for residents to pack up a U-Haul and follow their friends and neighbors to another state is strong. It's almost a fatalistic attitude that compels us to sit on the sidelines and watch the dumpster fire burn, consoling ourselves with quippy reminder that Jesus is coming back soon. Could I just say to you the good thing about this article is that evil article evil does not stay in place. We may be having problems in California, but you will not avoid it in any other state of the union. It will spread all over. It will move everywhere. You can't run from this. The only thing that stops it is the prayer of the saints and the activities of Christians that will stand up for what's true and fight. Yes, absolutely, the signs of the times appoint us to the imminent return of Jesus, but that doesn't mean we don't fight against that evil that is relentlessly encroaching on our state. Jesus didn't call us to be passive observers of the downfall of good. He called us to be salt. You are the salt of the earth. That's what salt does, right? It, it changes the flavor of things. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer for, good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. In Jesus' day, and even still today, salt was used to stop the spread of decay. It's a preservative. As Christians, we have the sin-halting power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Instead of fleeing in droves, we Christians should be concentrating our presence in this center of corruption like a shot of heavy-duty antibiotics to an infected area of the body. Our job is to counter the disease that is debilitating our state. Evil is the sickness that has a hold on California and Jesus is the cure. We're the instruments God can use to bring healing. You might be thinking, California is too far gone, like a gangrene leg that needs amputation. It's beyond saving, like a rotting corpse. It's past the point of no return. If so, you're forgetting the salient point. God is in the business of bringing dead things back to life. God is an expert in making lepers whole. God is a professional when it comes to healing. I challenge you to fight for California. I challenge you to pray for California. I challenge you to not to give up on California. And he mentions about making our voice heard and so on, right? So, there we go again. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take thought captive every thought that, to make it obedient to Christ. 
So this will mean that we have on the prayer side of it, the supernatural side of which I'm speaking of, you see the thing is the real fuel is not uh, some uh, legislator or some particularly evil ruler. The real fuel is the demonic entities behind it, you see. Because when one demonic ruler gets removed, then the enemy will try to fire up another one to take his place and so on and so forth. So the question is, we're going to be spiritual enough to see that, recognize that spiritual enough people to pray together, to show up at a meeting like we're talking about, even though it's inconvenient, and pray together, get the knack of praying together and learn, learn the knack of what it is to be united body of Christ because what we have here is the potential of the church, the church as a whole, becoming more unified than we ever thought possible. Here I am talking about a Calvary Chapel pastor, admiring him, reading what he has to say, right? Wow. God could do amazing things. What the enemy meant for evil, God will turn to good. We just have to understand who we are as a whole and individually together as believers in the body of Christ. We are the gate of heaven. We have to tend the gate, right? Whatever that looks like. And God will speak to you about this. But one of the first things people forget is how spiritual we are. And I'm trying to preach this sermon to help you understand not only to civilly disobey but to spiritually disobey the tide, the philosophies of life, right? It was the thoughts, listen to this, and speech of the Jews, God's chosen people in Jesus' time, that ultimately crucified Jesus. Jesus was in front of the pagan government, right? And the pagan government wanted to let him go, Pilate. Who spoke up and crucified Jesus? It was the people of God to that moment. It was the Jews, God's chosen people. It was their voice in the world that crucified Jesus, despite the government's will to do something else. Does that speak to somebody here? Our voice. It speaks. So we just have to use it. We have to be spiritual people. They said, crucify him. And their voice of those people even overruled the Roman government in the negative. They said, fine, we'll do it. We'll be glad to accommodate. If the voice of the people of the United States are saying those sort of things, evil people, how much more can good people change the thing around? Government, no, you cannot do that. We don't agree on abortion. We don't agree on any of this thing you're doing. We see the infringement of our freedoms. We see what you're doing. We don't agree. We, we respectfully say, we're not going to do that. Plus, we're praying all against you, and we're looking for active candidates that will do the will of God. And we will vote for them, and we'll pray for them, and we'll take up a spiritual place. But I think we can all get excited about immediate reaction. But what I really dis concerns me is we don't take our place at the gate of heaven. House of God. We don't even pray between husband and wife over our kids. We do it once and then we forget about it for a week and do it again. And I think being too busy to do such things is going to be a big problem. I think it's time for us to be the gate of heaven. If way back then God's people could do that to Jesus, what do you think could happen in this day? Right? Especially if a church gets apostate. Right? Now is the time for the body of Christ to speak up for truth in the world. We can change the way the government thinks with our public voice and our spiritual prayers. What we say and think count in the highest courts of both heaven and earth. 
That's why we are the salt of the earth and we're the light of the world. And if I could speak to all of you who are on the front lines, especially in hospitals or maybe in an industry, uh, an industry that, uh, you know, who would have known that Disneyland's going to be like <laughs> Disneyland? They're right in the public discussion, right in the crosshairs of everything. How in the world? Even things that were nice were meant for good. The enemy has found a way to pollute and ruin, right? And for you that are in the hospitals and doctors and nurses, and all of you, God bless you, man. I've just been noticing, just thinking about it so much. Uh, yeah. We just thank you. And I know a number of our medical people just wanted to quit, not even do it anymore. I've talked with them, prayed for them, you know. Some of them have been under tremendous pressure and uh, just to do things they just didn't believe in and all of that. And others just under tremendous pressure because of the time we're in. And just all of us find ourselves in places where we can be salt and light. For those of you that are in particularly dark spaces, may the Lord bless you. You stay in that place and let your light shine, whatever you do. Right? But don't forget to have people pray for you and intercede for you. Because part of your trial is coming from another source. It's coming from the pit of hell. I like what he says here. Because he's talking about putrefaction. He's talking about ongoing problems. If you give the devil an inch, he'll take a mile. If you give him a little, he'll take more. Oh, what does it matter? A little bill to sort of... It's just we've seen this over and over again. They go further and further. They press their case. They press their case to the most ridiculous places. Our government's in the worst shape that I've in my lifetime I've ever seen anything. I, I, maybe I'm not a connoisseur of governments, but I just, in my lifetime, I have never seen anything like it. I, I have never experienced anything like this. The absolute and total corruption. And then when it gets to our kids, it really makes me mad. We have to have a school. Probably should have had one. We did before, but I didn't realize the need. It's really been in the last several years. We, we have to. You keep supporting our school and helping us because we have to do this. It's not an option anymore. It's, it's, it's a conviction now. We have to take our kids and we have to put them in a different place where they ought to sail this way. They ought to have a chance not to be exposed to all this junk at an early age. And so we have a homeschool school, which is working out quite well. And uh, who knows how far it will go. But I, um, I were extended all the way through high school and I never dreamed I would have another school I never dreamed I'd be right in flat, in the, flat in the middle of a dozen building programs because of the COVID thing. You would think I would have relaxed and held back, but no, we have to build. We've had to extend. We've had to move quickly. Now, now, now. So thank you for all of you who've helped us move. And you haven't seen anything yet. We're building over here. We just started over here. You'll see the whole place change. We keep saying that because of the, obviously the building problems we have, but help us. Just keep helping us with your kind gifts. You've, we've already been doing quite well that way. We're ready. The gun's loaded. We just have to get permission from the city authorities, and we've been getting that slowly but surely, and we've got all these delays and so on, but we've had to build because we are building something in the spirit that's fundamentally different. One of the things we've extended in the Spirit is our desire to help the weak and the poor. That's our, one of our main calls. But there's tremendous spiritual power in that. How about this one? Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. When you take care of the poor, you take care of you. Did you know that? When you bless other people and you give out of yourself to be a blessing, you get it back on your own head. 
Whenever you feel yourself closing up like this, you're dying. Whenever you feel yourself giving, you're living. It doesn't feel like you're living, though. Sometimes when I've given, it's felt like I was dying. <laughs> but I have to remember the scriptures, right? We are God's revelatory people, is D, equipped to declare what God is doing through the scripture in his prophetic revelation. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Knowing the scripture and the power of God also helps us to understand what to do and say. Now let me just see this verse. Let's just look at this verse. It's on D here, Matthew 22:29. Let's just read this verse. So the Pharisees are trying to correct, trying to um, catch Jesus in something he would say to be wrong. Jesus replies, you are in error. And why were they in error? Because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. Now it's really interesting because we have one camp that understands the scriptures and just concentrates on that, but they don't know the power of God. And there's another camp that concentrates on the power of God, but they don't know the scriptures. <laughs> so I think we're supposed to know the scriptures. We're supposed to be good at the scriptures and we're supposed to be good at the power of God. Live by the scriptures. See what the scripture says. Understand the sense of God in the scriptures. What he was trying to do, what he's trying to do for you, what he's trying to get through to you. But also understand the power of God in this time and what he's able to do. And your prayers are part of that. Our Father and heart who art in heaven and all that follows one of those powerful things you can do against the darkness of our time, the political nonsense and all the other crazy things that's trying to, stuff that's trying to suffocate us. Right? We're the gate of heaven. We're the house of God. We have tremendous authority through our mouth, through our prayers. When a husband and wife pray together, it's one of those powerful things you can do for your marriage and your family. When a church to get prays together, uh, uh, prays for its area, and the churches come together, can you imagine how powerful that is? What if we got in the swing of praying together in the churches instead of fighting or, you know, quibbling about this doctrine or that doctrine? What if we just had this comment and we began to pray? So, show up. It's only from 6 to 7. Just go out there and pray. It's going to be humble, believe me. That's another thing we do that's really screwy. We think that we always have to have this high performance, high end thing or didn't mean anything. Make real noise, great noise and have fantastic musicians up here pumping it and everything, right? Last time I checked, all you need is two or three. I wonder if we have more of that. And I think it'll be humble. It won't be like a bunch of whistles and things. We purposely, it's not designed that way. Just to come and humble ourselves and pray together. Just come. I think there's more gatherings like that coming. More pastors are going to be praying together, more leaders, more things. Birds of a feather need to flock together, especially when they're getting eaten alive by all kinds of things, right? What we do is the people of the house of God, Roman number three. We are on the offense, not the defense. We are normal Christians who put ourselves at risk, drawing on the invisible resources of heaven, on the invisible resources of heaven. Hebrews 11.6, right? Let's just read Hebrews 11.6. Can you put that up for me? And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. What a very dangerous passage. It's impossible to please God, must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Wow. You need that. That means you have to be in risky situations. That means you have to pray for risky things. That means you have to step out there, right, and do things. It means, wow, it means we put ourselves on the line, 
right, with our time and energy and our money. We love generosity, worship, and prayer because they release the supernatural blessing of God in our lives. So we, these are characteristics. These are who we are at this time. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. That's the only two things he did. He gave generously to those in need and he prayed to God regularly. Hold those two thoughts. Just do those two things. See what happens. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a moral offering before God. Wow. That's two good things. Praying together and offering gifts to the poor. Now send back men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who's called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angels who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Peter comes and the Gentile church is born because some guy is praying continually and some guy is giving to the poor. And God says, you know, I think I'll start with him. If God would start with him, how about us? When we do that, what would God do? God loves generosity. He said, well, you know, I'm going to start most, how, how many are Jewish here? One, two, three, four. So all the rest of us are here because Cornelius, because Peter went to, one Jew named Peter went to go visit one guy named Cornelius who was giving generously. <laughs> That's why all the rest of us are here. But who did he choose? We do like Cornelius do. We pray and we give. We're generous, right? And that's why the Gentile church started. It's interesting. Luke 6, 37 and 38. This is one of the most powerful verses in the whole scripture. It's sort of the great antithesis. It's the great, like, paradox. It's, it's, it's weird. It, maybe those words aren't even the right. I didn't even use those words right. But anyway... Look what it says. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. It's one of the greatest acts of giving you could ever do, right? Let somebody off the hook. And when we judge, the Bible says also we can judge with righteous judgment. So we're not talking about judging uh, in the sense that I've been talking about earlier, trying to defeat evil. We're talking about judging other people. Just, you know, don't condemn them. If they sin, try to help them. There's no condemnation for those in Christ. You should help them with the Lord. Help them move along. Don't, don't keep that little pointy finger, you know, and condemning finger. That's another thing. You can feel the devil in. The present political authorities, they're always jabbing at us. They're always pointing at us, telling us what we should and shouldn't do, and it's become oppressive. It's, it's that same thing, you know. Judging, 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 judging. You know, the whole thing coming down, you can feel it. All in the name of your own good, buddy. <laughs> God. Can you hear the spirit of it? Can you feel it? If you can't feel it, I pray for you that you will feel this. Maybe you're not old enough. Whatever. Let's just say the nightly news used to be a lot different than it is right now. That's all they do on both sides, throwing bombs at each other, literally putting each other and making fun of the other newscasters on the other station. I mean, can you imagine that a few years ago? Can you imagine Walter Cronkite making fun of David Brinkley? 
Now, some of you are too young to even know. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, <laughs> and here's a field clip of what David did the other day. David Brinkley, you know, he said this isn't this. What a jerk. You know, what in the world is he doing? Making him look as small as he possibly can with just the right music, right? <laughs> so we don't want to get caught up in that. You can know the truth without doing that, right? And also, when you get too far into that, you get arrogant. And the world, even though they may not be very spiritual, can smell arrogance because they live in arrogance all along. They understand that smell. Oh, you smell a lot like us. Except you're saying the wrong stuff. Therefore, I hate you even more. I know what that smells like. I know what you're doing. That's what I do. But you're going the wrong way. Think like I do. And it's okay. You can do that if you want. Condemn what you want. But you're just condemning the wrong stuff. Right? So... Somehow, context, we need to be able to look at the other side and see them where they're at, right? We have to stand up for truth, but at the same time, wow, I think there's a lot of people that aren't that secure in their politics. I think there's a lot of people that really need Jesus. I think there's a lot of people, like the terrorists that God always seems to be interested in, right? <laughs> Paul the Apostle. <laughs> Don't forget, our best leaders are the biggest guys, of the people that were going the wrong direction, you know? The body of Christ in the history of the church has been that way all the way from the beginning. God chose the bad guy. God chose this other guy. Nobody thought would be chosen, right? And they turned out to be the greatest of all. So somewhere in all these people and all these situations, look, we may find some great, great, amazing Christians yet to be found, yet to be released. They're just acting like sinners, right? But that doesn't give them an excuse for putting out all of it, all the stuff they are and all that. But still. In the end, they need Jesus. In the end, they're worshiping at a God that does not work. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. So if they worship at that place, they're getting stolen from, killed, and destroyed. Their own personal life, everything's being destroyed and eroded. And these things will be destroyed and eroded, right? It's just that uh, I don't know what we have to go through before it happens. The church just needs to stand up and be who we are. Give and it will be given to you. Great dichotomy time, energy, whatever it is. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure is pressed down, shaking together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Wow! What a passage of Scripture. We do as the people of the house of God do. We love generosity, we love worship, we love prayer. We weed out our negative attitudes that give the enemy a stronghold. So part of that judgment is what I was saying. We just got to, you know, uh, whatever, whatever it is that you believe and another person doesn't or wherever you think you're right, just do it with some humility and be careful right, that you don't have that edge because they can smell that edge, right? So if we claim to be without sin, we deceive, deceive ourselves. That's the real problem with feeling like you're on the right, of, right side of truth is being so smug and self-righteous. People hate that. So you just got to know the truth and not be self-righteous at the same time. And feel sorry for people. I feel sorry for people. I feel sorry more for people than ever before. Even when i on the wrong side of me, I look at them and I feel sorry for them. I, I see they're like paper, you know, they're like puppets. They're, I feel sorry for their end. And I think compassion was the biggest things we could get in this time. So in our judgments, if we have insulted with compassion, we'll probably say the right things and do the right things at the right moment. If we claim to be without sin, and that's how it comes across the world, like we're arrogant, like we don't sin, like we don't have any problems. We do. 
We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar, and His word is not in us. So in our zeal to tell the truth, we need not to project that we don't have any problems, that we haven't made any mistakes, and that we're perfect. And that's the way it comes across, and we've got to make sure we stay away from that. I believe there's a way to talk to people in a kind, good way, a good heart, and even if it doesn't look too powerful, it's better to go that way and let the Lord work on your behalf. Truth has a way of taking itself and having its own effect. You don't have to add extra sauce of arrogance and whatever. That's honest with you. I'm just telling you, this is just me, and I may be wrong, but this is one problem I'm having with uh, some of the communication from the Christian side, especially of endless videos, endless whatever. Oh, my gosh. I'm just tired of the arrogance. It just bothers me, you know? Okay, great. You've got a great word, blah, blah, blah. This is good. Okay, good, good, good. But please, if you've got some victory in some way, just try to stay humble and not be arrogant about it because then it just sort of messes the whole thing up and it's hard to hear, you know? Then we get competing arrogancies. Whoever can get the most sensational video or the most sensational bit of news or the hottest off the wire and these things are going around. Everybody's competing to get the hottest thing. I don't know what people do with their time. Sometimes I swear I think people just are on the Internet day and night and that's all they do with their life. Just so they can find a special thing to send to me or to send somebody else. They think, well, look what I got. I got this. Right? They're like living vicariously through these uh, Google and all this. Uh, it's, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm old-fashioned. But it just feels like they're living in that way, in that place. I, I don't want to live vicariously through the coolest video I can find. I got a lot more things to do. And I'm glad we're communicating truth. Matter of fact, I'm glad. So there's a good side to that too, right? It's just... I don't know, I just think there's some balance there, and I just think, uh, as I'm speaking to you, I'm just praying to God that uh, we don't need to be insecure about the truth. When we know something special, we can communicate it in a way that it causes desperate things to happen in the kingdom of darkness, right? So we just need to make sure we weed out all our negative attitudes and don't give the enemy another stronghold. We experience the love and presence of God as our highest priority and expectation. I love this verse so much. We love because he first loved us. John 5:19. For the Father loves his Son and shows him all he does. So that love thing, that sense of... Uh, you know, to feel love, you have to be a little bit vulnerable. And you have to be a good receiver and not just a giver, you know. And I just... Uh, I'm always looking for the love of God wherever I am, where, whatever I'm experiencing. You know, I'm always trying to find that because that thing really softens me. But also, look what it says here. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all He does. So if you want leading from the Holy Spirit, experience the love of God and He will lead you. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him what He's doing. So when the love of God comes on you, you kind of know what to do. And you do the appropriate thing. Right? From love. So... That's really, really important. So whatever we do in each circumstance, we're going to handle different people different ways. Not everybody needs to hear the same thing from us. We don't need to say the same thing all the time. We just need to be in that space of freedom ourselves so that we can release freedom to others, right? We do things as the people in the house of God. We also praise and give thanks. And this is the bottom here. And uh, these last few scriptures I'm just going to share and then we'll, we'll close here today. These are all the characteristics of the house of God and the gate of heaven, the gate being the authority. It's the people of God and the authority that we wield. This is how we wield our authority, right? Paul's in jail. 
He's in a bad place. So what does he do? He isn't railing at the jailer. He's singing. He's worshiping. And the other prisoners are listening. Suddenly there's a violent earthquake. The foundations of the prison were shaken. All at once the prison doors flew open. Everyone's chains came loose. That's why it's important to gather and worship. It's important for things that maybe you hadn't considered before. When you worship together, the Spirit of God comes. And it's an honoring thing. I don't care what. I am here to worship the Most High God with my friends. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. When I gather and two or three gather, there Jesus is in our midst. I worship and honor Him. And so even in my jail, I'm going to worship. All at once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Sometimes you can come and worship. And God takes care of the plan by the time you, the pain or the problem by the time you get home. The jailer woke up and he, when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword, was about to kill himself. But Paul said, No, hey, we're all here. Then the guy gets converted. He says, What, what must I do to be saved? And they, get, let, they, they basically beg Paul and Silas to get out of town. <laughs> Paul and Silas are causing quite a stir. They're begging, Please leave, please, please. You know, please, would you please leave? <laughs> okay, we'll leave. But you know, we're Roman citizens. He got that shot in, right? All right, see you later. And then he goes to the next town, the next town. But he didn't give up on that town. That became a mighty center for God. Everywhere he went, he just went on to the next place, on to Thessalonica to, to spread more propaganda. <laughs> Christian propaganda, right? Philippians 4, 4 to 8. These are my, some of my favorite passages. I'm just going to read them. Rejoice, Lord, always. How, how, how often would that be? Whoa, in the middle of a pandemic? Yeah. In the middle where my job's threatened? Yeah. Always. I don't feel like it. I don't either. A lot of times I haven't felt like it. But I did it anyway. And not all the time did I do it anyway. Sometimes I didn't do it at all. But I don't know. There's something about that. I am the gate of heaven. I am the house of God, along with my friends. Then I change the temperature. I define what happens here, right? So I can rejoice in the Lord again. And Paul, in the midst of all his troubles and problems and everything, he's saying this to the Philippians. He's realizing, hey, this is the place. He's writing this to the Philippians. He said, this is the place where I was in the jail. I was rejoicing. They'll remember this. So I'm going to say this again. They know I was in jail. I was rejoicing. And the jail cell flew open. Rejoice, Lord, always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, situation by prayer and petition with what? Thanksgiving. Lord, thank you for what you're doing to my life. Thank you for what you're accomplishing. I appreciate the position I'm in. I think, appreciate what you've been doing for me. Present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That person is a person who knows who they are. They know who they are. They know what's really the score. So they can give thanksgiving, praise God, even in the midst of great trouble, this peace descends on them, and when the peace comes, it guards your hearts and your minds, and you begin to think clearly again, and then God already is operating. If He has to bust the jail cell, He'll bust the jail cell. He can't resist people that are rejoicing. But the thing is, as the church, one of the things we have to do in all of our truth and all of our gatiness as the gate of heaven, all that, we've got to be really careful about not being arrogant right. and, be, and putting on the wrong airs. We've got to be careful about it. That's what worship does, right? And we've got to walk in peace. Sometimes people look at us and we're more riled up than they are. They're, we're more upset than they are. We're, we, oh, well, we're righteous indignation. We're righteously upset. 
But they're all looking for the same thing. Is there any place in this crazy world that it could be quiet and I could find some peace? Is there any confidence, any place will just treat me right and love me? Any place where I can find righteousness and some calm? So in the name of God, we don't need to go into that turbulent place. Sometimes it might be turbulent if we're standing in court or we're standing in front of a Senate subcommittee or whatever, but for the most part, I think, we can be calm and state our opinions and do whatever we have to do at the same time. This peace that passes understanding is a really good deal, right? We praise and we give thanks. One other one here. I like this one too, so I'm just going to read this one. This is Paul. I love these guys that are writing this stuff. These are the guys that were killed for gospel. These are the guys that are suffering every single day of their life. The apostles. Rejoice always. How much rejoice? Always. Who? Really? Really? Pray continually. I'll get that. But rejoice? I don't know if I want to rejoice. <laughs> Give thanks in all circumstances. All circumstances? Are you kidding me? I just watched the news. Yes, all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't quench the Spirit. Wow. Okay, wait a minute. Rejoice always. Pray. I thought that was related to that prophecy part. Don't treat prophecies. I would never do that. But what about the lines before that? Would I stop rejoicing? Would I stop praying? Would I stop giving thanks in all circumstances? <laughs> we always read, do not quench the spirit with the next thing that comes. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. But I can just say, probably most of our time with regard to the temptation to quench the spirits found in, not rejoicing always, not pray continually, and not giving thanks in all circumstances. Right? Probably right there. Do not quench the spirits of a really good place to put that. I don't want to do that. I think we can live above it all. We are the house of God and the gate of heaven. We stand up for the cause of God. There is some putrefaction in the gangrene state. If you give evil a little bit, it'll take more and more. It'll take as much as you're supposed to give. So we're going to have to be strong and stand at certain really key places in the elections and other places where we have to stand strong. And also when people do stand strong, you can respect them and honor them, what they're trying to do, even though you think it's crazy. Or if they're not standing strong, you can respect and honor them, even though you think they're crazy. It doesn't matter. We need to honor and respect everybody for their own opinions, but take care of our own stuff and make sure we're not part of this putrefaction process where the things are getting worse and worse, but we're the salt and we're the light of the earth, and we keep sowing in the spirit of Jesus with thanksgiving and prayer and the gifts God has given us. We keep sowing properly. We do what we should do according to the spirit of Jesus. When we're bold, we'll be bold. When we're, we're gentle, we need to be gentle. The spirit will take you all those directions. But God's on our side, by the way. Amen. And if God's on our side, I think we're going to do okay. Don't you think? Yeah. Amen. Let's all stand. Yeah, thank you. Hey, I needed that. Tell my wife you love her too. Yeah, there you go. Hey, by the way, it's our anniversary in two days. How do you like that? Let's see, I think it's, uh, this is a special anniversary. It's our, our 20th, isn't it? Yeah. How old are you, John? Older than 20. Yeah, I think you're about twice that well anyway. No, uh, we've been married a long, long time. All right, I'll tell you, 45 years. 
Well, I just think that uh, we should just uh, create some worship here. And um, I just think uh, if we're a house of prayer, that's what we are, right? We're a house of prayer. So maybe some of you would like to come up and uh, pray. And uh, so could I have some of uh, our ministry team come up? Just line up here in the front in case someone would like to pray with somebody. Just come up here and you can turn around and you'll know their ministry team. They're sort of facing this way. I still haven't got our ministry team all online yet and the way we're going to do it, but we're getting there. Thank you for you that have been praying through the years with us, and if you could just come and be willing to pray for somebody up here and just agree. You know, the reason why we have ministry team is not to get in your face. It's actually to agree with you in prayer. If two or three agree about anything, it'll be done. So I think it's better together, but if you'd like to pray by yourself, that's great. Just spend some time praying. You could stand back a little bit if you don't want to be prayed for. If you do, ask any of these people. And if it looks like we're running low, um, you might want to have about 10 or more of you guys come up if you can. Um, is that camera, does that need to be there to stay there? Just go like that if it's supposed to. Okay, all right, we'll leave it. I'm not sure why that's there right now. Anyway, okay. So let's just turn this into a big house of prayer, okay? Stay 30 seconds or stay three hours. I don't care what you do. But No, you can't do that. Well, you can catch the Hispanic service if you want to do that. Yeah. We could do it everything in Spanish. Use the gift of interpretation, no problem for you. So Lord, as we come to pray in this great house of prayer, hear us from heaven. We're praying over a governmental situation, our own job, our lost son-in-law or sister-in-law, our own body that doesn't seem to get well, our own job situation that just has not been good. And we're not seeing what the prospects are going to be. I did, here, let me just say something to you, church. I declare over you today, all of you that are worried about your job situation, I declare a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Get in the habit of generosity. You'll have nothing to be worried about. And if the enemy's trying to steal and kill and you've been that way, I just slam the door in his face. I came that they might have life and abundantly. I pray that. I declare that over your finances, over your job situations. In Jesus' mighty name. If you'd like to pray personally for healing or anything else you'd like to do, stay in the sanctuary, come up a little bit of the front, or come right to someone who will pray right with you and agree with you in prayer, all right? God bless you all.